What's up, man? Bowie, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for doing this, man. I appreciate it so much. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. No, this is like um, one of those moments where like you see these people so much and what they're doing online. I'm super excited to talk to you. It's about to get personal. 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 Just got personal. Gary and I just got personal. It's personal. My name is Derek Bourne. My name is Cornelius Minor. Hi, my name is Val Brown. This personal. is Nick Stone. Hi, I'm Donald Miller. I'm going to allow him to introduce himself, but I'm super excited about today. Uh, my name is Colby Sharp. I am a fifth grade teacher in Parma, Michigan. I have taught for 12 years. I am the co-author of Game Changer Book Access for All Kids, which is a book that I just wrote with Donald Miller. Um, I'm the co-founder of the Nerdy Book Club. I run a literacy campus and friends here a town called Nerd Camp, which has about 1,500 educators and 1,000 students. About 60 authors come to that. I do a podcast called The Yarn, which is a podcast about children's literature. And I love books and books. I appreciate it so much. I'm super excited to get to know you a little bit more today. Thanks, man. Excited. All right. So the first question I have for you is just share a little bit about who you are, where you're from, just like a little bit about like your childhood. What did that look like for you? Uh, still living in the area that I grew up. I, I love school. I love school from about 30 minutes into kindergarten. I didn't want to go the first day. Uh, my dad had actually carried me through the school playground, kicking and screaming. Um, but once I got to school, I loved it. I loved every grade. I loved middle school. I loved high school. Uh, it's, it's interesting because before, the only way you could like talk to your friends was to see them at school uh -huh. in the neighborhood. It's different now because there's so much more negative. Um, but I loved, I loved being at school. I loved learning. Mostly, I just love having any friends. Uh -huh. Great school experience. I always did good enough in school to uh -huh. keep my parents happy. Gym or math, where I could get an A. To Would you say you were always one of those students? Like you're obviously very um, passionate about liter literature and literacy. Would you say you were like that when you were younger? Uh, I loved uh, read aloud time. Uh -huh. It's like Hatchet and the Ramona books and. Mouse and the Motorcycle, James and the Giant Peach. I didn't read any high school, maybe one or two books. In. So, yeah, I kind of fell away from reading once it started to be, I had to read the books that they said I had to read in class. But I grew up around reading. My dad was a huge reader, mm -hmm. huge, huge reader. Uh, when I got to college, I failed biology my first semester because I couldn't do the reading. Mm -hmm. It was just too hard. And that's when I started getting my books again, reading adult fiction and kind of building up that reading muscle and mm -hmm. falling back in love with reading. Mm -hmm. Then, Yeah. Biology is like a whole different type of reading. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't have a stamina. I didn't have. Yeah, I, and I, I, I can resonate with you a lot. I had a psychology class. I remember year one and I had no idea what was going on. Um, and I, I yeah. 
was and I didn't I, I had an interest in psychology. I just couldn't understand what I was reading and I was trying to make connections and talking to my prof and nothing worked out um, and I did not do well in that course at all. Um, so is that, I'm, I'm assuming one of the reasons why um, I've been looking at a lot of your stuff on YouTube and I love that you consistently talk about books and the power of like the read aloud and interest in books. Is that one of the reasons why you do what you do because of your past experiences? Personal, personal, personal. Yeah, I want kids to have books that they're gonna love forever. And I want kids to be able to books because when reading stopped is when the choice stopped. Mm -hmm. uh, I just didn't care, I didn't wanna read the Scarlet Letter. I didn't want to read The Great Gatsby and I figured out how I could get a passing grade without really doing any of the work. Mm -hmm. So I stopped. When we were able to read what we wanted to read, and we read a lot more and I just found that you know, we can get make kids read something that they're not going to read or we can let kids read a lot of books that they want to read. Kids who are reading a lot are, are going to be the ones that are successful. So, kids who are reading a lot are, are going to be the ones that are successful. So, kids who are reading a lot are, are going to be the ones that are successful. So, kids who are reading a lot are, are going to be the ones that are successful. So, 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 I just want to put as many books in front of kids, in front of teachers that I can, um, mm -hmm. knowing that there's that book that for every kid that they can fall in love with. Mm -hmm. For a lot of kids today, it's books like Dog Man. The one and only eye because of Winn Dixie and mm -hmm. Jason Reynolds' Ghost. Mm -hmm. Kids just need to find those books, and the more we can talk about books, what an amazing time! Mm -hmm. The teachers that we had, man, mm -hmm. like <laughs> they didn't know. Like there was no way to talk about books. Mm -hmm. We had the library, and maybe if their school had a librarian, they didn't have these great resources to to look all the great books out there. Yeah, and I think it's almost it's impossible not to find the right book for a kid. Like I think. You can, with the research, with like just research in class and talking to the kid and finding out their interests, like it's, there's a book out there for every single kid. I told, I strongly believe that. Like it may take lots of trial and error, um, but there's definitely a book out there for every single kid. Wait, can you talk a little bit about like what your childhood looked like in your household? Cause you talked a little bit about, um, I think you said your dad would put books in your hands and that was something that he constantly tried to, to push at home. What else did that look like for you at home? So I am the oldest of seven children, 37 years old. And I still have two brothers in high school, like six boys and one girl. Um, so yeah, my parents gave me everything that I ever needed. They didn't have a lot of money. Mm -hmm. uh, my mom was the school lunch lady. My dad was a truck driver. So Days until I got to high school, then he started working in a shop, but he was gone most weeks. He could come home, say 90% of the weekends he was around, but he was on the road all the time. But a big reader. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that he was always pushing books on me, but he was just a model because he was always reading. There was mm -hmm. always a book um, with him in, in the Lazy Boy chair. Uh, <laughs> there was always a book. I think sometimes he would just go into the bathroom to kind of get away from the craziness. <laughs> Um, but I had great reading models. My mom is always reading nonfiction, like the latest health food book or <laughs> diet book or exercise book. She's, she's huge on that. Um, so just being surrounded by readers. Uh, the biggest reader um, is my wife. Uh, mm -hmm. We were dating 
started dating at the end of my high school. Uh, she's one year younger and she's the best reader. I know she reads, she's read more than anyone I've ever met. Mm -hmm. And so just being around her, always having a book, uh, kind of helped me, you know, this really cool lady is reading all the time. Maybe, maybe it's something I I need to try. Uh When you guys started dating, um, what type of books did you find she was reading? She was, she read everything. Yeah. fantasy even some non-fiction in there all she she'll even read the classics i remember her reading the count of monte cristo and i'm like why are you reading that (laughs) um when i was in that struggling through that first year of college and you know she was she got a full ride scholarship for academics Mm -hmm. um, because when she took like those standardized tests that everyone has to take here in the states she scored in like the ninth a big part she's the great reader so yes she went to college for free and here i am slugging it at a community (laughs) trying to pass biology so i was being uh besides enjoying stories and the love that we get from reading great literature i was seeing the the benefits she was having on top of that Mm -hmm. i had to to get back into it obviously i have to ask you what is your favorite and you can name more than one favorite picture book my favorite picture book. I know it's ever. <laughs> I'm going to give you my favorite 2019 nonfiction picture. Book. Okay, okay, already. I'm going to get specific on you. Yeah, it's called Elvis's King uh-huh. by Jonah Winter, and it's illustrated by Red Nose Studio, and it is just the coolest. It's just one of the most. It's just beautifully designed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris, who is the man behind Red Nose Studio, he creates all of the all of the things that go in the illustrations, and mm-hmm. then it like takes a photograph of them. But he uses and, and it's really cool. On the inside of the jacket, he describes how he created all of the art using things like cereal boxes, uh, old pencils, and old radio knobs. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just a really really cool book. Uh, there's a lot of Elvis fans in my teeny tiny town. <laughs> Uh, oh, oh I've been, I read it aloud to my students yesterday, and it's just a really, really neat book. Right now you're teaching fifth grade? Yes. Okay, so have you always been in fifth grade, or have you kind of ventured out up and down um, with an education? Yeah, I taught six years in fourth grade, uh, and then three years in third grade, and this is my, wait, four years, and this is my second year in fifth grade. Okay, so would you say, what would you say was your favorite grade? Uh, I just love them all. It's just kids. Kids are awesome. Uh-huh. Uh, I do didn't talk in first grade, and that is not my favorite. <laughs> I will say that. I, I, I would say I'm probably a better fourth and fifth grade teacher uh-huh. than, than an early L teacher, even third grade kind of being on the border of early and upper L. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just... I, those early L teachers, I just was walking by our young fives classroom on mm-hmm. the way back to music and like what they can get five year olds to do. Like these mm-hmm. kids have only been on the planet for five years. <laughs> it's crazy. They've only, been, they've only been using a toilet for like two years. Crazy. It's just crazy the way that they, their classrooms work and you have like, tw- like it looks like chaos, but it's just this beautiful mess of all these different stations and activities. And, mm-hmm. I think that they are just amazing humans and they get the kids ready for fifth grade. I don't know how, I don't know how, like I see kids walking <laughs> into the kindergarten and I think 
Yeah, like we and when we were coming back, I saw a kindergartner. She's like, "My mom is in the office." Oh my god! Like she's freaking out, and all the fifth graders are looking at her like she's off a rocker. And I'm like, "That was you!" Like you know, like amazing. Elementary school, from when kids come in till they leave, is just such an amazing thing. Yeah, I agree. And you think about second to third grade, that's like 15% of their life. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Percentage of the time they've been on earth. Yeah. I remember the first week of teaching fifth grade after teaching third grade, I was planning like, all right, we need to learn how to log into computers. And I set off like 20 <laughs> minutes because in third grade, it took 20 minutes. It takes 20 minutes. <laughs> and then like, you know, like 45 seconds later, they're all logged in and looking at me. And I have it is like we do we have like the one-to-one ipads and stuff and you are talking to them about like downloading apps and like going to google drive and like writing on docs and you yeah you have that moment where you're like okay like you need to set aside this time because you know or you feel like you know that it's going to take 20 minutes 30 minutes just to get inside just to download the app (laughs) but they they are so quick like they They, it's like, it's unbelievable how fast they are able to understand and pick up things so quickly. What would you say growing up, what was your like kind of, what did it look like in your like high school or elementary? Like what did the demographics look like? What did your classroom look like? Um, And I, I always ask this question, but I think it's a little bit tricky. Like, and what did your, what did the teachers look like that you enjoyed? Uh, what were their some of their characteristics? Sheesh, that was personal. Sure. So demographics, ninety nine. Okay. Uh, like to the point where, like, when we would have a, a black student, it's like that kid is automatically so cool. Sure. Just because they were different, and sure. you know, we identify the black people we saw were um, basketball players and mm-hmm. rappers. Mm-hmm musicians and, and that sort of thing so uh, very 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 just like not diverse like mm-hmm. so much what well, you would just kind of picture a small Michigan Midwestern mm-hmm. town mm-hmm. Um, so definitely had that disadvantage growing up um, teachers that I loved I loved the teachers that got to know me as a person mm-hmm and were interested in things that were going on in my life, who would go to our sporting events, who would like engage in conversations around the things that they knew that we were interested in. Those are the teachers that I remember. Um, they were positive, they never got angry, and mm-hmm. if they did, it was like you knew, it was like holy smokes, like we really messed up because it was so rare. Mm-hmm. But just the ones that built relationships first, I mm-hmm. think were the ones that got to me the most Mm -hmm. made me actually want to try and not just get my beat yeah (laughs) talk a little bit about like that the power of like the relationship with students because i often see educators talking about it um but it's easy to say you need to have a relationship with your students but like what does it look like you you touched on it about going to the after school activities or the sporting events but um what would that look like in the classroom um if someone was to ask you yeah, I think it's getting to know them, mm-hmm. talking to them all the time about the things that they want to talk about. Um, uh, I think that we have to be really careful. One thing that I've been thinking a lot the last couple of years, like you can build a relationship all day and you can do everything to reach that kid. But like if we mess up once, it could be over forever with that kid. If we mess up once, 
it could be over forever with that kid. If we mess up, if we mess up once, it could be over forever with that kid. Once, it could be over forever with that kid. If we mess up once, it could be over forever with that kid. We had a situation last year where uh, it was a group of three and they were working together in, in gym class and on their score, they were bowling and on their score sheet, one of them wrote uh, an inappropriate word mm -hmm. and then like it got erased and then the teachers were trying to figure out who it was and they were asking me who it was and like, mm -hmm. we need to like, this, somebody's got to get in trouble for this. Mm -hmm. I was like, listen, I'd rather they all get away with it then we risk like getting a kid in trouble for something they didn't do. It's just not worth it. Mm -hmm. Like what, like whatever lesson we're trying to teach them here, like they're already all freaked out that they made a mistake. Mm -hmm. Like It's not worth breaking that relationship mm -hmm. because we might not ever get it back. That kid might not ever trust us again. And mm -hmm. I can remember times where teachers did something that hurt me. Uh, and I just, that was always in my mind. Yeah, like it was always in my mind when they maybe threw me under the bus or they didn't have my back when I expected them to be. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard as a teacher to know that you can always, at any moment, you can mess up a relationship forever. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. um, but I just, I, I like to take a lot of risk in my life and try things and do new things. Um, but that's one thing that I will not ever take a risk with is hurting a relationship with a student mm -hmm. it's just not worth it no and i agree with you like it's funny i had i've done a handful of these now and this kind of conversation keeps coming up like the power the power of like the experience and how whether that experience is positive or negative regardless of the age you consistently remember um like you said you said there is moments where you remember that teacher um, either throwing you under the bus or making you feel a certain way. And here you are yeah. in the classroom, right? It's, it's, un it's unbelievable. When I was in eighth grade, I got in trouble. I did something, I did something inappropriate in a picture, like a bas the team basketball sure. picture. I did something inappropriate. Uh, I'm sure you can kind of draw conclusions as to what that was. <laughs> and like, I remember, and this didn't happen. Like the principal at the school told my mom, he didn't tell me. Uh, he told my mom that I was going to end up in prison if oh I didn't check. And um, 20 plus years later, I was hired to teach in the same district that I went to. And my mom said, I want to tell him now, look at you now. Like you're wow. my son's doing, doing that. But I don't tell you that to like brag that I got this job. Mm -hmm. But like my mother held as a mom, held on to that mm -hmm. Twice a year. Of course, still when though. She see, still, when she sees that person, that's what she thinks. Not all of the great things that he did. He was, you know, he worked with all of this. All, like, he did so many amazing things in the community. But like one moment, one thing mm -hmm. can end it. One thing, one thing, one thing can end it. One thing can end it. Can end it. One thing mm -hmm. can end it. It's 
it's intense. It is intense. And it's like, like you said, why risk it? Like, why take that one moment to ruin that relationship? And I think sometimes if I could tell any new teacher something, I think that's what it would be. Like, you need to really own those relationships and build that trust. Because once it's gone, it is gone. Like, I remember talking to a, a colleague in school just about something happening in the classroom. And... I reminded that it was something about race in the classroom. And I said, you know what? I said, even though it didn't like you didn't do anything, it happened between students. They're going to remember that regardless. And then they're going to think about how you reacted. Right. So you can react and continue to try and help that situation or you can forget about it. Regardless of whatever you do, that student is going to remember just because like it's one of those moments where like they only happen once in a while. So it's so important that you you own those relationships. I totally yeah. I totally agree with you. And and you know it's um like for you as a teacher, there's like a million things happen million things happening every single day. Mm -hmm. But what we can forget is like that one interaction with that one kid. He doesn't have a million, or she doesn't no. have a million. They have a million interactions with you every day. They mm -hmm. might have like thirteen or four or two or one even mm -hmm. that day. And what might seem like insignificant to you, like, I guess, scolding a child sure. or, or, you know, maybe it's, it's hard. You want to go and you want to pull them in the hall and you want to talk to them. Mm -hmm. But instead, in a moment of weakness, you just call them out in front of everyone in class because mm -hmm. it's easy. Yeah. And then let's feel when you do that, it, it might help the whole class calm down for that brief moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But and that's what's hard, too, as a teacher, because it really takes so much work to do right mm -hmm. to do this relationship piece right and we all mess up like i say like it's not worth it to risk that relationship but i mess up every single day multiple times with kids mm -hmm. and things and you just have to to try not to mess up <laughs> <laughs>
and make you feel certain ways while you're in the classroom. It could be like a meeting that you went to. You could come into school ready, excited, hyped, and then you could have a meeting or a phone call or an email, and it like can easily change your mood. And as a teacher, you have to always remember that there's kids in front of you and they need you to perform. Like you are there, you need to be ready to go. And often, I wouldn't say often, but sometimes you don't. Sometimes you have those moments and you have to be able to, you know what, kids, I apologize. It goes a long way. Yeah. It really, really does. Yeah, it really, really does. Um, last question before I ask you where can we find you, et cetera. Um, you, have a, you have a book uh, with a great friend. I want you to, I've, I've seen it. I've looked at it. I've been dissecting it. Tell the audience a little bit about it. Why is it important? How can it help um, them in the classroom? So Game Changer, Book Access for All Kids is the title. And book access, like having physical access to books at home, at school, in your library, in your community, it really is a game changer for kids. We spend so much time trying to teach skills and trying to teach techniques and all of this different stuff with reading, which is important. But if kids don't have books that they want to read, if kids are not in book floods, if they're having to live in book deserts, they're not going to become the readers that they can be. And if they don't become the readers they're going to be, they're going to be struggling in college. They're going to be struggling in high school. They're going to be struggling in life. Like we need to find ways to get books into the hands of kids. And it's not as easy to like, just teach the teachers the skill. Uh, It's tough. It takes a lot of money. Like Mm -hmm. you have to be able to buy the books. Like kids need books, kids with adequate classroom libraries read way more than kids without all Mm -hmm. the research backs up the importance of kids having books Mm -hmm. and the kids who don't have books are the kids who need them the most. There are kids who live in poor communities. There are kids who maybe just, they just, they have schools without a library or without a librarian or even school without a library. And and it's a real huge issue. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we, we just want to get books into the hands of kids because um, you can't do all of the other work you want to do as a reading teacher if kids aren't reading, mm-hmm. kids aren't practicing, if kids don't want to read. So I think it's just a book to – I hopefully it helps teachers who are doing this work. It affirms their work. It helps them to know that they're doing great things. Mm-hmm. Um, but hopefully we can get it into the hands of the people who write the checks, the mm-hmm. administrators who choosing how the funds are spent. Mm-hmm. We can't do our jobs in the classroom without books on the shelves. Agreed. I agreed. I'm sold. I am sold. <laughs> Chloe, where can people find you? Uh, if you go to my website, mrcolbysharp.com, and at the very top is a place to, to join my newsletter. That is my focus in 2019 is my newsletter. Awesome. Uh, I've been making videos. I've been doing blogging. Uh, but I feel like the newsletter is like where my brain is because I can just share lots of different things. So I'm trying to do a weekly newsletter. Uh, most newsletters, I'm going to give away a book or two to a teacher, try to get more books into the hands of them. Uh, it's just something different and fun. And that's where my mind is. So mm-hmm. MrColbySharp.com. You can find me on all of the social places at Colby Sharp. Awesome. Colby, thank you so much. Again, I am... Uh... So I'm just so happy that I got to talk to you. Like, this I, is fun, man. This is a great like, recharge for the afternoon at school today. I do. I feel like, honestly, every time I have these conversations, I get re-energized. Like, so thank you yeah. so much. Thanks, man.
All right. So um, again, thank you guys for listening. That is another episode of It's Personal. Um, Kobe Sharp, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Until next time. Peace. Kids who are reading a lot are, are going to be the ones that are successful. Kids who are reading a lot are, are going to be the ones that are successful.